Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his cinematic corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, AJ Hodges, and today we're doing something a little different, uh, as we've been all month, uh, Marvel Movie Madness, as I've, I don't think I've referred to it as that, but that's what I think of it as. Anyway, we are talking Daredevil, 20 years of uh, serving justice. Uh, and back on the show is Jesse James. How the heck are you, sir? So good. I can't believe it's been 20 years. 20 years. It's, it's pretty wild. It's It's, over half my life. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny. This film came out on Valentine's day, uh, 2020. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we saw it in the movie theater, you and me, and uh, our friend uh, Nate back in the day. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So it's not like, so we didn't have Dave, but that's okay. You know, we had fun. <laughs> um, let, so well, I'll confess that I, I had never, I knew who Daredevil was before that movie, but uh, that movie is what started me falling in love with that character. Oh, okay. So that answers my first question then. Um, because I was gonna ask, were you a Daredevil fan beforehand? Um I I knew about the character from the Spider-Man animated show because he was okay. on like he was on a uh, like a two episode arc there. Um similar to the the Marvel comics where, you know, if you had a uh, a character um I don't wanna put this, uh, like they they did, you know, like Blade was introduced through that show. That's how I met him. Um, you know, so it, I it was. Ghost Rider, too. I, I think Didn't so. He? Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a way to get to know Marvel, lesser known Marvel characters through Spider Man, who was much more popular, obviously. Um, and even this film owes its um, owes some of its creation or whatever to the to the first spider-man film uh because i think it was in production because after like blade and x-men were big hits they were like oh well let's you know make all these other films then spider-man became this massive hit and the studio was like well let's give um daredevil more money and so they gave mark stephen johnson some more money to make the film even then they still cut it down significantly (laughs) Uh, so if you've ever seen the director's cut, much like another infamous Ben Affleck, <laughs> two Ben Affleck superhero movies, Batman v Superman and Justice League, the director's cuts are significantly uh, uh, better <laughs> than the theatrical cut. Yeah, I do think there's a lot more to love in the director's cut. Yes. Um, I, I will say, though, that uh, having rewatched the film, uh, my first thought was, it feels like it, it just feels like a late 90s superhero movie like it feels like Joel Schumacher directed it because it's just so 
flashy. There's it's so it, it's it's very campy, um, and I think we liked it as kids because it like it's cool, it's fun. But then as I've gotten older and I've rewatched it, I'm like, man, this movie just like Colin Farrell is just hamming it up extremely, which is just odd because he's I don't know he's the type of actor like we've seen in the Batman. He can really great do great characters, but for some reason in this film, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ham it up. I'm going to go crazy with it. You know, it's, it's well, insane. I mean, I would think that that was a direct directorial choice to do. I mean, you mentioned Spider-Man kind of kicked it off. In my mind, there's like the Fantastic Four films, which have the same level of camp oh. as Daredevil. Do you think Spider-Man has the same level of camp as those movies? Um, it's it's tough for me to be unbiased with that because Spider-Man holds up to me, <laughs> whereas mm. I don't I don't think Daredevil and I don't think the Fantastic Four films hold up. But then again, it's like I could almost give it to uh, Daredevil lends itself to being darker and being more mature. I think. Than Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four films, where the Fantastic Four films I can a- appreciate as like literal Jack Kirby, Stanley comic books come to light from the '60s. You know, whether that's good or bad is subjective. And I think the same thing about uh, the the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Um, but then again, like X-Men again lends itself to being very dark. Um, you know, much more mature you know, holds up pretty well, the, the first couple of films at least. Um, and then versus um, this film, which is like, it's trying to be dark, but still it, it's like Batman Forever. Yeah, that's interesting bit. because if, you know, I, I went back and poured myself into the comics once I, you know, got into that character. In the early comics, he's very different. He's like a playboy, mm-hmm. a ladies man, and he's more of like a like an adventurer, like he's very carefree. Yeah. Um, which that style I feel like is kind of in the Ben Affleck film, but you're right. They, they put all these dark elements in, which is something that happens in the more recent comics, or I guess maybe around the two thousands, uh, you know, when Bendis did his run and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like it, they really explored some, some dark corners with that character. So the movie maybe tried to do too much. It, um, I, I agree with that. It, the, the movie is, it, it's, it's almost two movies, right? It, it's jam packed full of stuff, which is, um, you know, you have like all the Kingpin stuff, you have all the Electra stuff and like, you know, bullseye is kind of wrapped in both of them. And it's like, you know, and plus the daredevil origin. And mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's so much that by the end of it, you're like, like, oh, okay. Like, and then the follow-up to it was the Electra movie <laughs> as opposed to like a Daredevil 2. And uh, what a, I, I confess to not have an episode on that movie. I I'm, I'm going to for sure. But it, the truth <laughs> is I've never actually seen the whole thing. I watched like the first 15 minutes of it. And I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> oh, I think I saw it in the theater. I think I only saw it once. Um, significantly less good than Daredevil. <laughs> not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting that this film. I 
I really like how it it's uh it's structured. It's I don't know, like how, how do you feel about movies like this that start in media res, right? Um because that that technique has never really bothered me. I, I get where it annoys some people, but that aspect never really bothered me about this film. Um no, I I mean I think it has a good flow, like it has a three-act structure. Matt's character goes through like a complete arc where uh, at the beginning he he's kind of lost in the darkness of being Daredevil and the crime. Yeah. Um, and by the end of it, he realizes that he can be a hero, yeah. a symbol of hope rather than this, you know, the scene with the little boy where he he's scared of them and he's like, I'm not the bad guy. That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they, they do have some good. And even the scene where he's like getting ready in the morning, you feel his uh, conflict in him. Like it, it feels like he's depressed. He's taking medication and he's just going through the motions. Well, it's um, that, that seems and, and all of that, I think really captured it, well, it, that what makes that scene great is it, it shows that he can do all these spectacular things, but he still can't, you know, he can't tell the difference between a $5 and a $10 bill, right? So he has to fold it a certain way, which is, you know, a thing that blind people do. Which, I mean, that's a real thing that blind people do, although yeah. I, technically he should be able to feel the, that that's like a real thing in the comics where he can just read books by touching them. He can feel the ink. Yeah, yeah ridiculous but i love it <laughs> well, i love it uh what's also you know i I'll, I'll give this like obviously the daredevil netflix show is far superior but you know when you have three seasons an upcoming quote-unquote fourth or reboot whatever it is um to to do character development it's obviously going to be superior um but i think uh the the shadow world like how he sees things is really cool. I actually kind of prefer it in this film versus in the in the show, like in the first season, you know, he describes everything as like a world on fire. And, you know, Rosario Dawson's like, oh, well, I'd, I'd be pissed off too if the whole world was on fire. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too because a lot, of, in the comics, a lot of different artists portray that or depict that in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it sometimes where it's like a rainbow world. Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere it's like static but I get the feeling that they wanted to distance themselves from the Ben Affleck movie so they don't use the radar vision at all. Right, right. And I, I was kind of bummed by that because I think it um, it is a cool effect to kind of see how he sees things and mm -hmm. they they just decided to to not show it. But I get it. It You know, it's, it's funny because rewatching it and... I, I never really thought about it as a kid, but as I've gotten older, it's like, it is kind of ridiculous that he gets incapacitated by loud noises, considering that he lives in New York City, like one of the loudest cities in the world, right? You know? Um, yeah, I think it's always that uh, kind of like in Man of Steel, where he can, he has to consciously tune it out. Because mm -hmm. uh, he hears everything. Right. And that's how a lot of the writers talk about it that 
he has to zero in on something. Actually, they do that in the in the Netflix show as well. Right. But yeah, I my, one of my favorite scenes with the radar vision is when he's in the subway and the the car's going by and he's all disoriented and he like hits his stick against the bar mm-hmm. and it makes a very clear ring and it allows him to see more clearly. Like yeah. that's just so cool. That 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 is really good. Um and and even the effect of, you know, in that scene when the guy has the the gun against his head and he can see the the bullet in the chamber mm, was yeah. that was cool um but you know it's i think the film just un- unfortunately kind of dated itself you know it has that you know we've talked about this many times like the ridiculous playground scene you know where they fight it and it's just i remember like we were kids and you were like why does he look so fat in this scene? <laughs> he did. He looks huge. And then you you told me you knew right away. You're like, well, he's wearing a wire harness. And I was like, yeah. oh. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Jesse, he can't just fly it. You know, he does that spin. Like, he goes, like, horizontal in the air and yeah. spins a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although in the comic, he's he's supposed to be, like, like a, a world-class gym, gymnast. Right, right. Yeah. So he's supposed to be like this, like amazing acrobat and the way they, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of good exposition in the film that Ben Affleck does the narration, where he says, Mm -hmm. you know, like, my sense of touch gives me a balance and agility and strength. So it's like, and you know, that's from the comic. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense, I guess, you know, it's all like, you know, the, the toxic sludge just, you know, that's that's like Stanley's thing. Is it it radioactive? Sure. All right, give him power. You know, (laughs) like, And by the time you got to the the X Men, it's like it's like well, we can't just say they fell into something. I don't know. They were born with it, right? <laughs> you know, like yeah, totally. And, and Stanley, like any interview you listen to, he'd admit to that. He would say like, "Oh, and I was just being lazy." You know, I, you know, I don't know. They were born with their powers. I don't know. I wouldn't know a gamma bomb from an X ray. You know, so <laughs> a gamma well, bomb. Well, they makes did the capture whole- something special by having him be disabled because I remember watching the DVD features for the Ben Affleck movie and they had hired a real blind consultant to coach Ben Affleck to yep. teach him like the money things. And in the playground scene, Electra like hits the, um, what is it called? The teeter totter seesaw, yeah. the seesaw. And it, uh, it, it flies past his face and he like backs up mm-hmm. and the, the blind, uh, guy on the DVD says like that's that's a real thing that we do you know we can feel those those gusts of air mm-hmm. but then he goes on to say that he was so thrilled to be working on the film because when he was a kid you know as a blind person Daredevil was his hero so mm-hmm. um, great representation and in, in a way to create a character that is kind of like a pillar for that for that community it's it's interesting where daredevil you know a lot of superheroes are known for what they can do and he's known for what he can't do right um and i think you know i i think of something like like the bendis run you were talking about daredevil yellow one of my favorite comics of all Mm -hmm. time you know really capturing what it's like for him in in the world uh a little bit and in daredevil yellow he's very you know like you were saying the early stanley comics very swashbuckly um which is cool um and it's it's interesting because I think I, I think both takes work, but I, I I sort of almost prefer the the darker take because it's like it I think it it would be depressing and it, you know to be 
you know, to not just to be blind, but to be able to hear everything, be able to feel everything, you know, and it's, that's, that's scary in and of itself, you know, uh, and it, so it's interesting to have a, a character like that. And I know the, the movie at a lot of points, I feel like it, it, it's like it, it tries too hard to show how superhuman he is while at the same time showing how disabled he is. And it's, and I don't think they find the right balance there, you know, in the film. Um, does that make any sense? Uh, it does. I I mean, in in the reality of the Marvel universe, he can see better than any anyone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's kind of a a contradiction in itself. But they do a lot of like cool little gags, like when he switches the mustard drink with Foggy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I when I think about the Netflix show, you know, they went all in on the on the darker side of it, and even the comics. You know, I really do think when Bendis came on the scene, he's the one that kind of modernized the character and took it from this kind of carefree, like you said, swashbuckler, almost like a tag along of the Avengers, and like really looked at you know what what makes up this person and it is his trauma from his dad dying his trauma from becoming blind and then mm -hmm. uh the catholicism yep and then trying to do law just really dark take and very very violent and kind of graphic um mm -hmm. i think that's what got it the following that it has uh definitely uh and you know, there's there's a lot of the characters. It's so funny with the Marvel characters because I think they're we think of them in, in a lot of ways. You know, you know, they're they can be very kid friendly, right? Um, having uh, you know, like Hulk's a big green monster, and you know, the X Men are in bright colors, Spider Man's in bright colors. You know, like um, but they all have very tragic stories to them. You know. Um, and and with Daredevil, I I, I kind of forgot about it the, until rewatching it. That the father son stuff is really good. It's really compelling stuff. You know, the the dad who just feels like he's just kind of a you know a has been boxer and encourages his son to he's like oh you, the only thing I want you hitting is books and, and it's kind of a cheesy line, but I I think it's really great because it shows that you know, he tries really hard to be, you know, as much as he loved his dad, he wants to be better than him, you know, in, in a way. Um, and a, another thing that the Netflix show did really well, too. Um, and although the, the film is missing a stick, right? You know, because yeah. uh, he just kind of trains himself. And I remember even as a kid going, oh, that's kind of weird, he trains himself. And I didn't really know the character from much from the comic books. But then, you know, watching the show, I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, so he had another blind guy kind of teach him the ropes and everything. And although one of my favorite, most ridiculous shots in anything ever is in the one episode of the show when you know, uh, your stick is putting together a bow and arrow, and he's gonna shoot the 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 kid right that's supposed to be like the the chosen one or something from the hand, something yeah, like that. The, the black sky. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's just like. And it's just like seeing this blind guy just like put together this bow and arrow. I'm like, yeah, all right, good luck with that. But <laughs> which is is it's even more interesting because Stick doesn't 
have uh, the super senses, but right. he's like ninja trained and he has like some kind of abilities, but you know, you don't really know what. And then I remember in one of the comics, uh, they revealed, I, I forget which author, but um, the radar sense actually isn't a result of the radioactive waste. It's like mm. something he, he honed. And then it's alluded to that uh, Stick has something similar. Oh, okay. But yeah, blind guy, bow and arrow. <laughs> just a, just a, a strange image. Uh, but, you know, I, I trust him. He probably could have aimed that thing just better imagine than I could. The, the arrow like, clearly misses the kid and Stick's just like, nah, crap. <laughs> it hits Matt in the leg. He's, ah! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm oh, sorry, Matty. Let me try again. <laughs> um oh my gosh uh one of so one of the ridiculous parts of the film after rewatching it is seeing uh like some of the characters they, they felt like it's it was like a late 90s uh early 2000s thing where it's like they have to look like the character in, in a weird way uh like so ben affleck has this ridiculous red hair that just doesn't it doesn't look right on him and Jennifer Garner has green contacts, which, granted, like she looks great in, but it's not natural for her. But Bullseye doesn't have to wear his costume, you know. It's 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 this weird, like I, I don't know, like a, like a compromise that they had they had to make with certain films and stuff yeah. and, and such. And I mean, I thought the scar was cool. That was the, a cool like touch. I I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I I just don't understand. Uh, but like, but. But Ben Affleck looking um, with, with the red hair, I think just it gets so it just looks so weird to me, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the shot it looks the weirdest in is when he's uh, in the courtroom. Yes, and they're like, I think they're going for that. It's like very hot in the room, and mm -hmm. when he steps up and he's like, "I hope, I hope justice is found here today, before justice finds you." It's this. Mm -hmm. Uh, medium shot or close-up shot and he has like sweat and his hair is all like poofy yeah yep. it, it just looks so ridiculous it, it's it, it, it i don't know it, it's it, i it, it's funny because i was thinking of the exact same shot and it just it, it was unnecessary and i'm glad that by the time they got to you know the the tv show they were like okay it's it's fine he doesn't need to have actual red hair and i think like Eric Stoles was a fan cast for a while because he's a redhead, and it's like, yeah, but he wouldn't be good as Daredevil, you know? Yeah. Um, um, well, I do like what they kept in the show is Kingpin's signature white, which does not show up until I think season three. Yes. So yes. in season one, he always wears he's wearing black. Black. Uh, black. Yeah. And then when he meets Vanessa, Vanessa gets him to step out of his comfort zone. He kind of embraces uh, not being in the shadows and he starts wearing gray. Yeah. And then season three, when he's out of prison, he's in the white. And oh, man, what talk about a great uh, escalation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100 percent agree. Uh, and it's also funny you say that because Michael Clark Duncan does not wear white in this film. He wears. Like, I mean, the gray works. Yeah, on him. And no, it, it looks it looks great, and and he has like gray, he has like light blue, and it's funny because I Michael Clark Duncan, you know, you know, may he rest in peace. I think he's the best part of the movie. 
you know like he just i i love that he just like commands attention from everybody just everywhere he goes and it's also interesting yeah. be because i was reading about this like ben affleck is is super tall so when like he's in scenes with michael clark duncan they have to like prop michael up <laughs> so that he looks bigger than him um and it's like well, i think i remember reading he also bulked up like he put on a lot of weight for the yeah. kingpin role and and it, it shows like he looks amazing and it's such a bummer because like between this film and then he did green lantern you know years later he was the voice of kilowog and yeah. i'm like man like what what great roles they're giving him they're just giving him these like <laughs> you know these not great scripts um because the the ending of the film like after he fights bullseye he goes after the kingpin and it just it, I, when i was rewatching it i was like i don't think this scene as great as this scene is because i love how he fights kingpin and he's disoriented you know because the the glass walls and everything he can't quite get a read on him until he breaks it and then you know the, the fountains come oh, on yeah yeah really great scene but and i was like <clears throat> I, I don't know the scene almost doesn't work in the movie right you know it just it's well it's, so I, I much think is it's, happening yes it's two it's two climax scenes that are almost back to back yes so he should have fought uh bullseye as the act two climax and then kingpin as the act three climax but mm -hmm. it was it was really like okay we got to wrap up all the stories so right kingpin or uh bullseye kingpin and then like the resolution with foggy and electra yeah um, and, and that's another one. Uh, the other best part of the movie is John Favreau as Foggy. Oh my god! He's you know, um, and it's it's funny you know having the uh, you know and he's like complaining to Matt about the you know the, the payments that they're getting, and he's like you know I go I go salsa dancing on the weekends. I don't shake my ass to pay my phone, but you know just yeah, so um, many great zingers. Yeah, and they really kind of kept. Like Favreau, to he's like the comic book Foggy. He's a mm. little bit more about the money than uh, helping people. Yeah, he's still good at heart, but um, it's a good uh, foil character to Ben. Well, that's something that the director, excuse me, the director's cut does really well, where you get to see um, him help out. Uh, uh, Coolio, right, and yeah, improve his innocence, and you get to see him be a hero, you know, because Matt kind of ditch keeps ditching him, <laughs> so he's like, I have to take the case, and yeah, and he kind of salt, you know, he finds the clue with the the writing in the wood, mm -hmm. you know, he kind of does a little private investigating, and yeah, it's a good moment. It's it, it's good stuff, and and Favreau's a, a really great actor. He's a you know and a great director too, and writer as we've seen with The Mandalorian, of course. Um, but it, it it's it's interesting. And then I, I didn't even realize it until I think there was like a meme or something. I think I sent it to you after Spider Man No Way Home came out that had like Favreau and uh, Charlie Cox sitting together. There was like a side by side image with Ben Affleck and Favreau. Like obviously Favreau's playing two different characters. But um, it's uh, I, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. And even in like the there's deleted scenes for No Way Home where uh, Murdoch is representing him in court because he's in trouble because of some of the missing Stark stuff. And and yeah, you know, I guess there's a there's a bit where he's like sweating a lot, and 
and Murdoch's like, you're, you're sweating too much. You, you need to calm down. And he's like, how do you know that? Oh, <laughs> you know? I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, it's, uh, so that's good stuff. Um, and so some of the quote unquote superhuman stuff that Murdoch does in the film, I, I really dig. Um, like, I, I really like, um, you know, when, like when he's a kid and he beats up those bullies, because who doesn't like seeing bullies get their comeuppance, right? You know, um, but uh, yeah, it seems I, cool. The, the only thing I don't like is they, they imply he got the name Daredevil because kids like egged him on. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, I could we could do without that. It It's it's so it's so ridiculously on the nose. Like they zoom in on the kid's mouth and he's like, I dare ya. <laughs> you. Know? It's like, come yeah, on. you know, it'd be like a Batman is like, what should my name be? The, like, the, the one kid in the fight who like doesn't even try to fight. He just like runs and Matt like hits him with the stick and he like falls into the fence. He's like, ah! <laughs> um, I remember our, our friend Nate during the film turned to us and I was like, is that the kingpin? <laughs> <laughs> and that's like a running joke forever. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, it's, you know, and, and I think it, it's, the movie, I don't, I don't hate the movie by any means. Uh, there's a lot of really great stuff in it. Like the playground scene is ridiculous, but I think the way they, Ben, or not Ben, uh, or Ben, uh, you know, Murdoch flirts with Electra, you know, when he's using his blindness to kind of get the attention of a woman. I'm like, like, dude, like, that's smooth, you know, like, I, I love stuff like that. And, and even when he's like, you know, walking with her through the city and, and she's like, wait a minute, how'd you do that? How, how can you do this? He's like, oh, I was a blind kid growing up in Hell's Kitchen. You know, I had to learn. And he's like, hang on a second. This car zooms by him. He's like, he just ran that red light. And, and it's like, I remember seeing an interview with Charlie Cox when he was, um, you know, he had a, a blind man help him uh, learn how to be, you know, act blind during uh, the show, obviously. And he's like, he's like that guy was going down the streets of new york and it's like i, I was racing to keep, keep up with him because he knew exactly where he was going and you know he's like i i you know i couldn't keep up with him and i was like that's so cool like i can't even that's imagine awesome. that you know um but uh you know i think another thing that this film does really really well is the is is the the priest character you know just i think he's a great like conscience for for matt right yeah. you know um and you know he goes to confession and and there's there's something very uh, like real about that and it's been in the comic books too i think frank miller did stuff like that you know where it's just like you have to he's trying to reconcile this wanting to be a, you know a, a, a good person but feeling like he has to be "quote unquote" the devil to get it right. You know, it's it's really interesting um, uh, thematic stuff. Yeah, there's there's some great through lines in the comics where um, a lot of the conflict is that Matt loves being Daredevil so much, but mm -hmm. he knows he shouldn't, and right. that's where all the conflict comes from. And then you have the traditional hero's journey. Why is character of the priest who kind of like you said is the conscious conscience and tries to direct him to you know maybe do things a different way yeah 
but I uh, think it just adds to it and makes it so much more compelling. It, it, it really does. Um, and especially, you know, cause the movie opens that way with him like dying and, you know, lands in the, in the church, uh, which is, you know, from, from the comic books, you know, with him hugging the cross. And that's something that the movie, the movie did that, you know, Spider-Man did a little bit, but this film really embraced comic book imagery, you know, like the, the last shot of the film when he's thrown up. Oh, I love it. It, it looks so and cool. The, the uh, grapple, like it flies in like every different direction and then comes at the lens. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It, it, it looks, it looks so cool. And it's funny because they, when they, I almost feel like it was a detriment to the film when they, because after Spider-Man was this big hit, they, the studio pumped more money into the budget. And I was like, I, I almost wish they hadn't, you know, like, have those shots um but you know at the same time it's like you know they they gave it this bigger budget and matt is doing like at one point he's like jumping off cars and climbing up uh you know the uh, fire escapes and i'm just like that just you know i i know daredevil can do that kind of stuff but the way it's animated just looks so spider-man-y you know it's like yeah the cg but, yeah. yeah yeah um but at the same time, it's yeah, it was whatever. Uh, a lot of it, and most of it, looks really good, and um, and I love uh, Kevin Smith's cameo too. You know, uh, where oh, yeah. he, he's the one that helps uh, Yurik figure out that Daredevil is is uh, you know, is is Murdoch. And um, it's funny, you know, when he drops his cane and you know Yurik picks it up, he's like, "Oh, it's a cool color," and he's like, "I wouldn't know." <laughs> it's yeah, that's a great one. It's it's one of those bits I think that's that's interesting where it's like oh that's like there was a one of the Mark Wade comics uh, from like say like ten years ago when uh, like the they get attacked by the Serpent Society so there's like racist Nazi characters essentially and Murdoch is trying to figure out or Daredevil's trying to figure out you know who who's a part of their group and he's like you are you with them and it's this black guy and he's like of course I'm not with them what the hell's the matter with you and he's like. He's like, well, this is where being blind can really like not help me out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and it's stuff like that that I think you know, like we were talking about before, you know, not knowing the, you know, the five dollar bill or the ten dollar bill or even like the suits he's gonna wear. Um, it's it's very very interesting, and and the 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 show did had a really good moment that I always think about when he's learning to read Braille and he's like. You know, and, and the and the boy who plays him says, "Well, you know, it's it's about feeling what's not there as much as what's there," and and I just I always you know think about that when I I've been in buildings where like there's you know it's, it's somebody's office and their name is in braille under it, you know, um, is very interesting to me, and uh, you know, I it's like it's like I wish I, you know there's a big part of me it's like I want to learn sign language, I want to learn braille, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I want to learn these things. There's a great scene where uh, it's season two when he visits Fisk in prison and his uh, lawyer's there and makes him sign like an affidavit and he hands it to him and he's talking and he's telling him what, what it says and Matt starts to feel it. And like, he does like two, two runs and then he like flips, he realizes it's upside down and turns it over and starts reading it. Like just cool little uh, details that they sprinkle in. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it, the character is 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 very very interesting and very compelling, and I think it, it it's you know it, the first thing people think of is like oh what do you think of Daredevil always blind, but 
you know, it's like, well, you know, you think of Spider-Man, oh, he climbs up walls and, you know, webs through the city or whatever. But it's like, yeah, well, these characters are are more interesting than that. Like, sure, it's 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 good to have that kind of, like, easy one or two sentence, you know, however you want to describe it, uh, description of them. But, you know, once you kind of get into the stuff, I think it's really, really fascinating. Um, you know, because Murdoch is this, you know, quote unquote, tortured soul, you know, trying to be a good Catholic boy, but, you know, keeps, you know, getting into trouble, so to speak. Um, and then, because uh, uh, Electra is somewhat similar in a lot of ways, right? You know, she's very, um, you know, just, you know, trained by assassins and has this dark side to her, which Murdoch obviously, you know, finds very attractive. But, I, you know, rewatching the film, I was like, you know, Jennifer Garner is really a, an incredible actress and probably got cast because the show uh, Alias was huge at the time, uh, which is yeah. fantastic in. But I, I don't think this film does a great job of representing the electric character the way she is in the comic books. You know, you, you know what I mean? Well, backstory wise, it is more accurate than... Uh, the the show the show kind of went off script and made her like part of the chase from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the comic, she's she's literally like um, comes comes from a wealthy family and she's kind of like a debutante, but also uh, learned all these skills as she aged, and so she's kind of like the product of her environment of this family of wealth. And mm-hmm. actually, in the comic, she's. Um, Manipulated by Kingpin. That's like how she's introduced in, in okay. the Frank Miller one. Um, but then, you know, then then they just, uh, she was kind of like a fan favorite and they they uh, wrote all the other stories about how she gets mixed in with the hand and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie, yeah, I don't know if they didn't really go into her deep enough to to do much else i mean her her father gets killed and then she's kind of out for vengeance and it's um that's like her subplot yeah and then you have matt who tries to talk her out of that the the vengeance won't help uh yeah i see daredevil very similar to batman Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of other people do as well because um his dad gets killed. It's similar to Bruce. Uh, I think the difference is Batman is so logical, analytical. You know, he's so against magic and everything supernatural. Mm-hmm. Whereas Matt has this part of him with the faith and the Christianity that he he uh, holds on to, and it it's what makes all that internal conflict uh, more palpable. Yeah, and yeah. with Electra. I, I do agree. They tried to like do something similar to show her go through this grief and then have a reaction mm. and have like a mini mini climax. I mean, yeah, as a subplot, you know, it's less screen time. I, I think it was all right. It was all it, right for that. It you know, it's it's fine. It just it just feels like I said, the, the movie is just it's jam packed full of stuff. And uh you know, and and like I said, you have Colin Farrell just like hamming it up. You know, like it's every scene that he like exits the scene, he grabs his trench coat like a cape and just 
whooshes it over the camera. And the rattlesnake sound? Yeah. It's just like, so, it's, like why is that there? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know, like, it, it's hard. I can't take him seriously in the film. You know, it's like, it'd be much more interesting if he was just like quieter and scarier. And and I love this transition in Farrell's career now where he's trying to get out of the pretty boy leading man roles and yes. wants to do more character stuff. Um, like, did you ever see Horrible Bosses? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like he's hilarious in that film. You know, he, they put him in a fat suit and a bald cap, and he's and he's hysterical. And then and then of course the Batman, you know, he's yeah. unrecognizable. Um, and I think uh, it's it just it's cool. Like, you know, uh, it's how Kevin Conroy described Mark Hamill. He's like well, Mark Hamill was a leading was a leading man actor in the Star Wars movies, but he's so much better than that. You know, he's he's fantastic. He gets to do so much more as the Joker. And I was. Sure. And I think about that a lot, and I'm like, oh, he's he's right, isn't he? Like, a lot of these like handsome guys are <laughs> they get shoehorned into these like leading man roles, like the Total Recall reboot, you know, which is just oh yeah, not great. Um, not but... good. I will give him one more shout out for the role in um, True Detective season two, which I watched just recently. He is phenomenal. He he plays a kind of burnt out cop hmm. who. Went, went through a, a he's like a straight and narrow cop uh, mm-hmm. by the book and then goes through this big tragedy and then it there's a time jump to present day and it's like 10 years later and he he is like not a good person mm-hmm. um he brings some great range to that character and it, it just uh, goes to show his, his range also a minority report with um tom cruise yes he yeah has, he has this he has not a big role and he milks that role for a lot with yeah. the limited screen time that he has yeah it's uh, i'm glad you brought that up because you know i was thinking about that and how he sort of kind of positioned almost as an antagonist to cruise but then but then he's the one that kind of figures out what's going on and how Cruz got framed. Right. right? And and it really and I thought that and he helped kind of set up the twist of the film because it's it's Max von Sydow, right? Who's the real bad guy in that? Um, and Correct. Uh, yeah. And it's been a while since I watched it. But um, but the, like that, I remember that scene where he's like, oh, the water's going this way. But then when you you know, but when you watch it you know, uncorrupted, the water's going this way. Like, what's going on with that? And I was just like, you know, I, I like you were saying, I'm like, man, like, it's funny, you know, the, all those family guy jokes about Colin Farrell for like the longest time where they just thought he was yeah. disgusting and horrible. <laughs> like, I don't know where that came from or what what roles he had that, um, why, why does he get so much grief, you know? I, I great. think it's... I think it's it, it was the the pretty boy image, and he kind of played similar characters for a while. But then it's like, well, no, yeah, he... there was the one, wasn't it? Uh, uh, Troy or the Greek Greek or Roman one, where he plays. I think he plays Alexander. I think he the plays Great. like Alexander. Alexander yeah. the Great. Yeah, that's probably one of them. Uh, I I don't know if it was Troy. It might have been because I think. I don't know. There were like a bunch of them that came out like within a couple years of each other. Uh, yeah. might have, and and they they all looked exactly the same to me. Um, you know, I, I remember Harold Ramis saying that about like he's like, I went to the movie theater and there was a there was a trailer for like the G.I. Joe movie and the Transformers movie and 
some other movie and they all look exactly the same. The difference was the title cards at the end. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and and I was like, you know, for a while he was right. You know, these movies just all looked exactly the same. No, um, Hollywood always does that. Right around 2012, when the world was going to end, there were yeah. all these natural disaster end of world movies. Yep. Then there was a whole phase of found footage creature movies like Cloverfield. Like, yep. they, they come in waves and I don't know. It's like Hollywood gets gets a sniff that it's coming and then everyone tries to do one. It You know, it's, it's also Hollywood learning kind of the wrong lessons, right? You know, where it's like, oh, well, Cloverfield was successful, so we need another found footage monster movie. When it's like, well, that's, you know, that's only part of the appeal of that film, right? Um, and, you know, and same thing yeah. with like, you know, like, like, again, like with Spider-Man, right? He was this big success. So it's like, well, let's, let's make as many comic book movies as we can. Damn the results. When it's like, okay, we have Mark Steven Johnson, who was a big fan of Daredevil. He ended up doing the first Ghost Rider movie too. And, but he's also somebody who's just, I, you know, and no offense, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't really know, but he just, you know, isn't a good storyteller, right? You know, like this film, there's just too much happening in it. You almost wish somebody would have come in and been like, you need to cut this, you need to cut this, you need to cut this, because, you know, there, there's too much going on in this movie, uh, which ultimately, like, was a downfall. And then you have a movie like Ghost Rider, where it, I, I don't even know where to begin with that film, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, a, a great concept, but just gets sort of lost in its own weird mythology that it, it, it's, it's like the movie itself didn't understand it, right? I don't It's It's been a long time since totally. I've seen that one. When you say the studio executives learned the wrong lesson, I think that's the crux of all all superhero movies. Mm-hmm. They that first wave, you know, with X Men, Spider Man, then all the all the ones they added, like Ghost Rider and Daredevil, they diverged from the source material in the in the campiness sense. Yeah. You know, the the film Daredevil checks most of the boxes. The origin stories. You know, there's no stick and things like that. But you look at the show, the show, the Netflix Daredevil really embraces the comics. And mm-hmm. if more studios would just do that, I think their films would be more successful. And they have to stop doing this lowest common denominator. We have to have, we have to take all the characters, make them diverse as possible. We have to, we have to throw in the laughs, the seriousness. They try and put these existing characters into this Hollywood formula, mm-hmm. it never works. No. And they keep doing it over and over. Thankfully, the, the Marvel Universe has uh, been great over the past couple decades. But um, yeah. talk about a, a a long time to learn that lesson. <laughs> well, I you know, in, in that sense, you know, when you have someone like Kevin Feige, who is a big Marvel fan, obviously, uh, and and worked on all these movies, you know, he was associate producer on Daredevil. So, you know, you, you figure like he's like watching these things happen and goes, OK, I know exactly what didn't work about this. And and so knows how to spearhead it to fix it. Eventually, I was going right? to mention that earlier, because if we talk about how the film has a little too much, maybe it missed some things. But the silver lining is that it did teach those lessons for when the show came about they really they knew what not to do and if that movie had never been made the netflix show probably would not be as good as it is 
Right. That's, that's a really good point. Um, and I think it, it's, it's just funny to, like I said, the best way I can describe it is like Daredevil just feels like, like very Batman forever. You know, <laughs> just so like, it's trying so hard to be dark and serious, but just can't help being, you know, like we joked about like when bullseye, uh, you know, knocks, kicks the stained glass and catches all the glass. Yes. It just, the, it, the, the ridiculousness of that um, scene is he kicks the window, the glass falls for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, pieces just keep falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. And then it cuts. And what he's holding is completely different glass. They're like the size <laughs> of like platters. Yeah. And they're stacked up like a foot high. And then he's like, hey, hey. <laughs> they're dipping them out. Like, oh my God. Like he, he's, he's like, he's like making it rain. <laughs> yes. And the, um, the dartboard scene when he kills the guy. I mean, yeah. that's actually kind of cool and dark. The, the paperclip uh, bit is good. The, the peanut scene on the airplane. It, that, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like that. I feel like that could have been cut because it just, we already saw him do this paperclip bit and the dartboard. So it's like, oh, okay. So we get that he's, anything in his hands is dangerous and then he just kills this old woman just for like no reason like she's just annoying him well i do think they probably kept it because in the comic um he is like textbook serial killer he has like a real desire to kill and he mm. kills anyone uh men women children animals and um that's that's why daredevil hates him so much and mm. then there's a great moments because Bullseye starts killing all of all of his friends and family. Yeah, right. They did keep that in the movie. Um, and there's a great scene when Kingpin meets Bullseye for the first time. He's killed his guards, um, and and Kingpin is completely unfazed and unafraid. Yeah, which I think uh, goes back to what you said about him being the best part of the movie and having that commanding charismatic presence mm -hmm. that kind of works. I, I i do like that you know when he comes in he says how'd you get past my head of security and he's like oh you mean that guy and he's just like yeah it's and good. it's it, I, I like stuff like that it's just um you know you know it's like the, the whole reason that bullseye hates daredevil is because he made him miss and it's just like i can't decide if it works or not right he's like oh i miss i never missed and it's like all right <laughs> just a, a little I mean it worked for the campiness of that film sure, sure. as an actual plot device yeah it's a little weak also why was he Irish because <laughs> Colin Farrell's Irish I guess <laughs> and <laughs> ma maybe that was a stipulation because he'd always even to this day still uses an American accent in most of his movies so I think it. I think there might have just been something where he's like oh, if I'm going to do this I want to be Irish in it and they were like alright sure well I do like that he, I, I don't remember if he did it for the film or if he had done it prior, but they mentioned that he learned, he worked with a magician to yeah. learn a lot of sleight of hand. You know, he does the thing with the paper clip, mm -hmm. uh, the card trick. Yeah. You know, he does, he, he gives his roles their all, whether they're well written or not. I mean, it, well, you know, you gotta you gotta admire him for that, right? You know that he gives that he that he gives a crap either way, um, because it, it you know 
I don't know, because a lot of times in these movies, especially pre-Marvel Universe, I feel like there's always one actor that just doesn't doesn't take it seriously. Like, you know, like I felt like Peter Fonda was that in the uh, uh, Ghost Rider movie, right? The way he plays, uh, you know, Mephisto or whatever is just over the top. And hell, even the way Cage plays it is pretty over the top. But um, in, and in this film, it's very much Colin Farrell just kind of going, Oh, it's a comic book. It's fun, right? No, let's do go crazy with it, and it just doesn't match the the darkness of you the know, rest of the film. You were the first person to ever tell me the story, and I think about it every time I watch it now. Batman and Robin, Joel mm. Schumacher shouting to the actors to remind them that they're in a cartoon, yes, and to bring that into their characters. You could argue that there was might have been some similar direction for the mm-hmm. characters in Daredevil, at least for Colin Farrell. For sure. <laughs> um yeah and or maybe maybe they were just like, you know what, Colin, go nuts. I'm not even you pick whatever you want. I'm not even gonna stop you. <laughs> um yeah and you know who knows for sure, but I don't know. Like oh I think overall the like you said it's this film is a you know, it, it led us to the, the the Netflix show and the upcoming um, Daredevil Born Again Disney show, which, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I feel like we haven't gotten, we, we still don't know if it's necessarily like a reboot or if it's like, quote unquote, season four, right? They they really mm-hmm. haven't said uh, or they haven't really confirmed. So I, I don't know if it's just going to be like a, like a, you know, to use this now, again, like a Batman Forever thing where technically it's a follow up, but you know, you, you, the continuity doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Um, there was about a year where I wanted to boycott Disney for <laughs> making the show get canceled because I fell in love with it so much. And yeah. I'm over it now. They are, I, I, I hope they're not just looking at it as intellectual property that can make money. I hope right. they really do adopt what the show what netflix did right because they did so much right yeah and they don't don't need to make it a disney daredevil they just need to let those creators the writers directors and actors continue what they're doing and it will continue to be a success in my opinion i i agree and i think a good balance of it uh did you watch the the she hulk episode with him in it i didn't um well, that that show is, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be, but I, uh, you know, it, it it was unique and different compared to some of the other stuff. So I'll give it that. Uh, but the Daredevil episode, I thought was really great because he had, there was very much sort of the, he had a bit of the swashbuckler stuff, but he was also a, a, a dark character, um, and I don't know. There there were really good bits in it where like She Hulk, you know. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm about to whoop your ass. And he, like, dodges her. And he's like, my ass remains on whoop. And, like, flips away. And I was like, so freaking cool. <laughs> um, that is kind of cool. Yeah. So I, and it's it's funny because I, I watched it when I was in New York City. And the writer of that episode was at Comic-Con. Um, you know, he's, he's the current writer of the Miles Morales comic. And, and I was like, and like, who wrote this episode? It's really good. And I like looked it up. And I was like, and his he changed his name to like Cody Ziegler at table 
113 or wherever he was at in Artist Alley. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, he's at he's at Comic Con. And I walked by him. I was like, dude, I just watched Daredevil last night, or I watched the She-Hulk episode. It was amazing. And it's like, oh, thanks, man. And like, and I kept walking. And later, I was like, should have like talked to him more. <laughs> you know what the hell? Yeah, was I you should have. You know, I I literally was carrying around business cards for the Spider-Man book club. I could have given him one, but you know, Gee, whatever. Jay, what's the matter? With you? <laughs> there was there was another story I told on this podcast where I I gave uh, business cards to a couple of, like cosplayers uh one was the sylvie the the female loki from loki and uh and oh what's her name uh starlight uh from the boys and then like a couple days later i, I gave one to a girl dressed as scarlet witch from uh dr strange and and she was like oh you gave me one of these already. I, I saw you the other day and i was like oh uh, oh i was like oh were you in a different costume she was like, yeah i was sylvie from loki and i was like oh that's right okay and like i was like well you look great you know i, I didn't even recognize you and she was like Oh, thanks. A great compliment. And, you know, we talked for a second and I walked away and I was like, I probably could have gotten her number. <laughs> so, uh, JJ. Yeah, there's uh, there's like business mind JJ, like hand out the business card, meet and greet. And then there's, you know, regular awkward JJ and they don't meet. <laughs> Should have just been like, I'm just looking for some honey. Can you help me out? <laughs> Should have done that. And then she would have been like, when? nothing um this is this has been a blast getting to uh revisit this film with you um i you know i i think for both of us it has a soft spot spark <laughs> excuse me soft spot in our hearts um you know we we grew up with it we're you know we're big fans of of these characters and it's great to see you know like you were saying how far the characters come in media right you know where we get yeah. you know like um you didn't know he was in spider spider-man no way home and i remember ashley and i knew that and we looked at you when he showed up on screen and it was like and your jaw was on the floor <laughs> oh man it was so good because i wasn't expecting it yeah because at that point i i i still thought it was over mm -hmm. you know that he was done and so to yeah. see him back in the role and then to catch the brick oh yep. man like, Oh, I'm getting tingles just thinking about it now. <laughs> it's I, I think that's that's the kind of stuff that that Stan Lee was really big about in, in, in back in the day was him saying I need a photographer in in this comic so it's going to be Peter Parker, you know, like you know, or Parker yeah. needs a lawyer so it's going to be Murdoch. And I I think that's the kind of stuff that DC wasn't doing at the time. And Stan Lee just figured, well, they're all living in the same city, why not? Um, and and I think all the writers since then have done a great job of finding ways to incorporate every character in one way, shape or form into their books. You know, like, like going back to Daredevil Yellow, having the Fantastic Four show up, right. You know, is a, you know, it like, does that need to happen? No. Is it a fun cameo? Absolutely. You know, like, it's just, it's cool stuff like that, that Marvel has always succeeded at. And, and I think it's funny because like in the quote unquote, like phase two movies, when they still have the characters apart, you had Iron Man three, you had, Captain America Winter Soldier, you know, Thor the Dark World world, excuse me. And it and ev and everybody's complaint was like, well, why don't they just call the other Avengers? Like, why are they dealing with these things by themselves? So that by the time they got to like the, the next phase of movies, they were like, okay, like we, we gotta include some cameos and stuff in here because if we're doing these world-ending threats, it doesn't make any sense for the other Avengers not to show up. Um and it's something I think we just kind of took for granted 
as fans, like, well, you know, there's the Captain America books and then there's the Avengers books. But in the movies, it's just different where it's like, yeah, like, why wouldn't they call? You know, seeing it real makes a difference. You know what I mean? It's a very long-winded way of saying, I'm glad they're incorporating all the characters to do each other's things. Yeah, and I hope more filmmakers or the directors and writers understand that moving forward because the way they're make their way they're building it it seems like they're, they're all gonna team up more mm-hmm. you know is x-men gonna join the cinematic universe right. and so they they need to think about those things and come up with good ways like if they're not gonna show up have a reason why right Right. Like like the, the Ant-Man film, they, they get sucked into the quantum realm. So it makes sense that there's no other characters because sure. they're they're in they're stuck there. And in uh you know the Black Panther movies, they're pretty much limited to Wakanda. So it makes sense that not much else is gonna go on. Um right. or you know, the other characters wouldn't join. Um but you know, having, you know, like Thor be with the Guardians of the Galaxy does it makes a lot of sense. And I wish they'd done more of that in one or both of their movies and you know, that's a conversation for another day, I suppose. But, um, you know, but it, it's but having Murdoch show up in No Way Home, I mean, it makes perfect sense, you know, because Peter would need a lawyer and a lawyer that isn't going to charge a lot. And there's and, and, and Murdoch would uh, be the guy. In season two of the Netflix show, when he represents Frank Castle, they really start to plant the seed that he has a soft spot for superheroes yeah. essentially or you know that's vigilantes. even a thing in the comics that, <laughs> yeah. yes, vigilant, that he represents them uh legally so it, yeah. it totally works 100 yeah. percent. um well i definitely would encourage you if you don't watch any other she-hulk episodes to check out i think it's episode i think it's eight episodes or i think it's episode seven he's in it um and he's in like the the yellow and and red from the original comics uh which like looks kind of weird and she all kind of makes fun of him for it so it's fine but <laughs> but uh there is a there's a hallway fight and some of the music from the show plays so that's pretty cool i will definitely check it out yeah yeah um well this has been a blast man i'm glad we got to we got to do this and i hope you have a great uh you know jesse's out uh at the beach he's gonna go skating <laughs> so um i what appreciate I you taking i appreciate you taking the time for this uh and we'll uh We'll catch up again soon, soon for, uh, I don't know why I said soon like that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, soon, soon. Uh, you know, we got, there's so many other Marvel movies coming out. It's stupid how many, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we had, we had three back in 2003, right? We had Daredevil, X-Men 2, and then Hulk. And I don't know, it's like, Good it's year. been that, it's been that way ever since. <laughs> Just yeah. how many, how many Marvel movies are coming out? Well, more than when I was, you know, my daughter's age, Right. <laughs> Uh, so thanks again and uh, we will catch up with you all soon and just remember that justice is served because um, he said that a lot in the movie for some reason <laughs> <laughs>